Thanks for joining us at Two Age Sojourner for some Thursday theology. Stay tuned. Andre, what's going on? How's it going? Good. It's all right, bro. It's all right. Yeah. Oh, gotta love some Roy. <laughs> love some Roy every now and again. Um, okay. Definitely. Every now and again. Every now uh, and Yeah. Okay. So issue of the day. Yes. How can we truly have assurance when people who we are convinced are Christians end up utterly renouncing the faith? Yes. Man, that is such a thing. Well, I think I have an answer. Well, I'd love to hear it, though. Um, yeah, so the thing is, let's just start by, you know, in case someone missed uh, the previous the previous um, episode, um, you know, it started out from your friend or who was it? Yeah, your, a friend of yours on Facebook? or No, 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 it was the... Uh, oh, the, the Cayman's Call guy, Cayman's yeah. Call. Right, so every Get now and again, with. yeah, you hear of people that are just, I mean, almost it seems undeniably... Um, Christian and just are really leading the way. And those are the people that most rattle you when they fall because, um, you know, it's it feels like it's tucking at your very theology <laughs> of assurance. It's, it's sort of corroding at the very uh, idea that if you have professed faith, then, um, you know, you yourself know that the God who birthed that faith in you is the God who will then work that through and finish that faith and finish um, his work in you. And, and it feels like, I mean, any, any, it should be that anyone who falls away from the faith after any sort of credible profession should have the same impact, but it's particularly severe, I think, or it existentially hits us when you see these people that have just been prominent in your life. And, and um, I had a similar thing. Yeah. I've had so many people like that. I mean, almost all my, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, uh, almost every single major influence on me, you know, and if I think about homiletics, preaching, you know, as someone who, who I'd want to, yeah. um, I don't know if it's wise to go ahead and mention names, but there was a, a major guy, pretty much the reason, um, the reason that I became a church planter, you know, and wanted to be a pastor mm-hmm. was because of this, this, um, this charismatic pastor guy, you know, I was in the charismatic church at the time, but, um, yeah, I mean, he, he was just amazing, you know, and, and he just not only on the preaching side, but just evangelism and church planning and planted a whole bunch of churches and, you know, wrote a whole bunch of books and just you know, honestly, just inspirational at every level, just as this guy, you know, it was one of those follow me as I follow Christ things. And, um, and then, you know, theologically, I mean, one of the most awesome books I've ever read is um, a book by... Uh, Paul King Jewett, um, and anyone who knows me will know I, I talk about this book um, called Infant Baptism and the Covenant of Grace. It's a polemic against um, infant baptism and from a reformed perspective, trying to argue for credo baptism. That's what it officially is. But um, it's actually just a great, <laughs> a great introduction. Oh, it's probably the best, you know, it's the best theological work I can think to give you an overview of covenant theology at some level from a reformed Baptist perspective. Yeah. And um, okay. it's an incredible defense of um, credo baptism within a reform framework. But then it's also just his literary style. I mean, the st- it reads like a, it's one of the most, you know, it's an overview of church history. It's a, 
It's a very, very well-written book. I mean, he is just an incredible author. And, um, yeah, I mean, he just started from that time that book was written. Um, it just went downhill, and he starts slowly denying these cardinal doctrines. He was a, a professor at Fuller. And, um, right. And uh, posthumously, his uh, works that came out were just, um, you know, just I think it was a series of 12 books that, that were published, and they just denied everything. So he, he, I think it's safe to say he, he wasn't a Christian when he, denied, when he died. Um, and, you know, that's just unbelievable to me, you know, that this guy who seemed to have a grasp of the gospel in ways that I just honestly, I can think of Michael Horton, I can think of those guys. Those are the comparing sort of guys. Yeah, and um, yeah. so it's a bit of a shock to the system. And then, of course, you know, one of my recent um, uh, influences, Jason Stellman, you know, just um, going not only to Roman Catholic theology, but all the way through to just really being a, he wrote a new book called Misfit Faith, and that I think is probably a good way to summarize it. You know, he sort right. of left his wife and left his kids and oh, just did total transformation. Yeah. Really? yeah, just just like oh. started a podcast called Drunk Ex-Pastors. <laughs> so, yes. you know, you're just yeah. it's going from bad to worse. He's denying everything. And and um, anyways, bottom line is it's just it rattles you to the core. So, yeah, I can totally resonate with that experience. And uh, and it's interesting when that happened, a lot of the guys thinking now of Stillman, a lot of the guys that just because they knew they kind of were hanging out with me and I was suggesting the book and they came to appreciate his ministry as well. They, they were all rattled by that. Like how, how can this guy who was the understudy of Michael mm. Horton, who seemed again to dem- write an incredible book um, on, on the Christian life. Um, how can he, you know, what's the deal? How can we know anything? And um, I get it. Here's and the answer. Course, I mean, it's not yeah. new because like you, even no. in the New Testament, you've got loads of guys that oh. Paul writes about that says, you know, yeah. he's turned his back on the faith and yeah. watch out for him. And yeah, so it's not a, not a new thing. No. So, and, I, and on that page, um, I think that the answer is quite simple, actually, at the end of the day. Uh, as John puts it, you know, they went away from us because they weren't of us. And that, you know, they're going away mm-hmm. showed us. Now, the obvious problem with that is, is we go, you know, the, the kickback to that angle is, okay, but what if we go away <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. we show that we were never of, and you know, that, that's, um, that's the, the fear. I suppose, yeah, right I mean, it, there's two, two levels to the question, aren't there? Cause there's mm-hmm. at one level, there's the whole issue of, well, can you lose your salvation? Mm-hmm. And actually I think that's not as big a crisis as people make it out to be. I was listening to like a, a Roman Catholic podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which I do from time to time just to find out what they say about things. Mm-hmm. And they were like, I don't know how these Protestants think that you can't lose your, your salvation. I don't mm-hmm. know why they said that. Cause I think most Protestants do think you can lose your salvation, <laughs> yeah, but right. also, um, but also like, I don't know how they can, they must not be reading all of the Bible because like, I can understand if you've only got, you know, Hebrews six in front of you. Yes. Um, how you might think like, okay, I can lose my salvation, but they were putting it out of random places. Actually, that's not such a difficult one to solve. Like you said, um, if they go away from us, they're not, they're not truly Christians. You know, Jesus makes it absolutely plain that that he will not lose any that the father gives to him. Uh So our assurance is tied to our election and so on. So like that's, that's one issue and that's not so complicated. Yeah. The more complicated issue is our subjective experience of, of God's, election yeah like, how do i know i'm one of the elect yeah um 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and on that exact point, I think uh, again, you you want to. I think the answer is quite simple, but maybe uh, it needs to be worked through a little bit. In that, uh, you know, there is a subjective component. So I want to I want to almost you know join so many who say, well, you've got to escape subjectivism altogether, and you've got to just you know you gain assurance by setting your eyes upon Christ, and if Christ is who He is, then uh, the reality is His promises are um, indeed for you, and uh, it, it's only if Christ changes that those promises change. And I get the appeal there, and that's obviously good, and we, we must uh, there must be a large part of that in gaining our assurance. But I think there's a the, the reality is you're going to be sitting next to someone else at church or wherever who might— you know, also be looking at Christ, the object of Christ, who is there, mm-hmm. and um, and might not go to heaven. And so, you know, that does lead us to have to think subjectively about the situation. You have to ask, well, what is it about me that um, yeah. you know that 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 I can tell I am in fact looking upon Christ, and <clears throat> those promises are for me. So, R.C. Sproul wrote a book about this, and. Um, mm-hmm. I taught through it in India, and we hammered this thing out big time. And I love the way he ended, and I would end in the same way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think for me this is one of the more concrete little things because because it, it just puts everything back into perspective. The, the question is this: Do you love Jesus? Mm-hmm. All right now, the reason I like that question is because it's it's not asking, you know, do you love him as much as you could love him. Uh, it's not asking, you know, um, whether you are as, uh, as faithful as a Christian as you could be, or whether your your repentance is as deep as it could be, or whether you're even. It's not talking in categories of repentance or faith. It's talking in categories that you can uh, understand very clearly in your own subjective experience whether you have crossed into or not. It, there is a there's only one of two answers you can give to that question. You know, uh, if you don't love Jesus that you have no reason to feel in any way assured of your salvation. If you mm-hmm. do love Jesus, you might well want to qualify that, but yeah, I feel like my love wanes and my love, you know, is is just um, not as everything it could be. But the bottom line is if you love him, you can't ever say no. That you have to say yes at some level. You have to be able to affirm that that exists. And here's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. when that's when it connects to the objectivity of the Bible promises because that can't happen. You can't love Jesus unless Jesus has created salvation within you. Uh, he has given you that love and uh, th- that you freely experience, right? And, mm-hmm. um, and, and then w- what is just bottom line true is that you will be saved. You'll go to heaven. Uh, you will. You will now. Now, just give me a second on this because I know the 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 counter <laughs> is the yeah. ca- the counter is okay. Well, but those guys would have said they love Jesus as well, uh, yeah. and and they fell away. Well, here's the thing. Here's where you come back to your theology and your your basic Johannine deal, where they said they did, but you don't have access to their hearts. You never knew their hearts. Uh, and the whole point I think John is is making when he says that that by leaving they show they were never one of us is that you only are able to see whether their love was genuine uh, in this life if they left. If they left, they show you by that leaving that their love was not in fact genuine. Um, mm. Or at least it, they give you no reason to believe that it was. 
Um, now, it's also true that people can leave the faith and and sort of uh, go through extended periods of sin, as our own confession puts it, um, and and uh, repent of that. But all assurance is lost for those people from from our side, from their side, and and that's almost a different category of questioning. But in terms of thinking about it from our experience, like how do I continue to have assurance? You just bring it back to a very simple question: Do I today love Jesus? Yes mm-hmm. or no? Mm-hmm. And if it is true, I mean, you see, the thing is, you do have access to your own heart. That's the difference. You don't have access to the heart of someone who only later might show you that uh, their love was not genuine. Um, now, your love doesn't save you. The fact that your love is switched on, so to speak, uh, the fact mm. that it exists, it, it's not the saving principle at all. But it's, it is the subjective evidence that you have um, at, a very, at a very primal level, even, even before any repentance or before any faith or before any um, good works. Uh, you know, all those things get complicated as you consider them. But this issue of love I found to be just this beautifully simple um, thing that we can all, because, uh, you know, you ask, okay, have you looked at your good works? Uh, there might be evidence of your salvation. But then the, the, it gets complicated because, and I think that is an important thing to ask, but, you know, it's almost only a secondary thing because you, you end up asking, well, what is a good work? And, oh, man, like, is this enough of a good yeah. work? And all that sort of stuff comes out. And you do have to think about that. And likewise with repentance, like, have I actually repented in the moment? Uh, and, yeah. again, important yeah. stuff yeah. to consider. Do I actually believe? Oh, Lord, help my unbelief. Those things are all important to consider. But love, it's it's just a yes or no thing. Um, yeah. So I yeah. find it's very, very helpful. You know, and, and you can almost just, just uh, work with, do you love your child? Do you love your wife? Do you love your mom? Do you love your dad? You know, the, there's a way for you to tell if you love someone very easily. You know, it's like everyone can answer that for themselves. And I, I, yeah. think, I think the bottom line is when we get to heaven, there will be no one, if we look back, no one who answered yes to that question truly who will ever be lost. That's yeah, yeah. I, I think that's I think that is true. Yeah, yeah. and I guess um, do you know Dick Lucas. You know Dick Lucas, the yes. former rector of St. Helens. Yeah, um, he he had this great way. He was preaching through one John, mm-hmm. and he made this distinction uh, between assurance, mm-hmm. the things we look to give us assurance, mm-hmm. and reassurance, the things that we look to for reassurance. Yeah, and um, I thought it was really, really helpful because basically you're saying our assurance rests on the objective work of Christ. So, you know, if you want to know how it is that you can be saved, the assurance of salvation comes out of the finished work of Christ on the cross. You look to him. Right. Okay. Yeah. But if you want reassurance that that's a your faith is real, that you're one of his, that uh, the promises of perseverance apply to you, mm-hmm. then you can look to the things that reassure your assurance, if you like, which yep. are the, the subjective things. So you can look to things like, uh, you know, the one Peter thing. Yeah. Um, am I growing, adding virtue upon virtue? Or you could go to like the Hebrews 5, is it Hebrews 5, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. I think it's Hebrews 5, mm-hmm. uh, thing where it talks about, you know, not being sluggish, um, but actually growing in theology, you know, not only staying on the baby food, but getting onto the solid food. Yeah. Um, you know, there's things like that. Like, are you growing in your in your faith and are you growing in your um, 
your behavior, your godliness. Yeah. And you can also look to like, you know, one John itself to see, you know, are these areas, the key areas of the Christian life in check, you know? Yeah. Um, so you can do that, but none of that is actually, that's not the assurance of salvation. Mm. That's kind of just reassurance yeah. that actually yeah. the objective work of Christ is, is for you and that you can still trust it and go on with confidence. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was quite helpful. Mm. Um, well, the, the whole business of, of worrying about, well, am I still going to love Jesus in 10 years' time? You know, mm-hmm. Because, again, our love is fickle, you know, and, um, you know, am I going to love my wife in 10 years' time? Mm-hmm. And am I going to love, uh, I don't know, um, am I going to love football in mm-hmm. 10 years' time? That's trivial, that's a silly example. Yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, all these kind of things ultimately come down to, to trust. So assurance is something we trust God for as well, isn't it? So like, yeah. like now I'm not to fret about what, what I'm going to be doing in 10 years time. I'm meant to be trusting God for that. Yeah. And that's, that's part of the whole thing. So I think we can calm our hearts down and say, look, so-and-so has fallen away. He had us all fooled, even had himself fooled. Yeah. Um, but that shouldn't, that should give you a sober warning maybe to reevaluate your own life. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't make you panic because we're ultimately salvation from beginning to end. The author and perfecter of faith is Jesus, and we're fixing our eyes on him. Mm. And he is the one, you know, who takes us from beginning to end. And so I think uh, we have to recognize that the perseverance of the saints isn't just about um, – it, it's about us actually actively persevering in trusting Christ to cause us to persevere. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a, there is a kind of circular motion of faith and, and, you know, God is working in us, but we are also trusting him to continue to work in us. And I think, I think, you know, there's something about it that w- means that actually when we get stressed about the future, it falls into that category of, of Matthew six, you know, why are you worried? You don't mm-hmm. add a single length to your life. Just uh, trust him. He loves you. You're worth more than sparrows. Um, you know, if you can trust him for food, you can trust him for salvation and vice versa. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, um, um, I'm interested with this whole love angle. I'll tell you a little bit more why this interests me so much. There's this almost, uh, you mentioned those two helpful categories between assurance and reassurance. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the space in between is what I'm interested in. Um, in with this whole idea of love because there's the assurance angle is like yeah again like obvious and awesome in that we rest we rest completely and wholly on on the finished work of Christ and the objectivity Mm -hmm. of that work and his high priestly ministry and and it's like you just want to leave it at that because actually that's enough but you can't because you know that there are two people in the room, one going to heaven, one going to hell. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, that and yet the objectivity of that work remains the same. So that's what puts the pressure on the situation to to figure out, OK, how does is there any way for that one person to know what's going on? Um, and and then, of course, you've got the reassurance issue where, yeah, I think it's a great point. Like you've got all the way through to working out your faith with fear and trembling like the, And you mentioned, you know. 
yeah, like I don't think it should cause an unbridled panic, but there is a sense, I think even Paul puts it on Christians to, to you know, uh, make your calling an election sure. You know, make make, mm-hmm. make this thing, uh, you do want to do a little bit of introspection at, at, at some level because you don't want to be wrong on this and you can fool yourself. And so you have to be very careful and there are lots of uh, protective measures in place. And yeah, it is a proactive thing and you do want to be uh, constantly working toward the means of grace uh, so as to allow for that uh, to, to to be giving you what you need, and then and then working it out in terms of good work. So all of that is there, and 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 to the degree that you give yourself to those things, I think great assurance waits you. Um, you know, it, you've got this real blessing of of being able to see undeniably that the gospel is at work in your life. But there's that space in between. It's almost like that darkest hour that that I'm yeah, I'm interested yeah. in in that you know you you look at your life and you go dude I don't even know if I've repented properly I don't even know if I've believed I don't know if anything in my life is worth calling Christian at any level and oh my goodness you know mm-hmm. I'm 50 years into it and you know I'm thinking about that uh, space and um, and then the other reason I'm I'm putting it in between those two categories is because. I want to, as much as possible, let the the assurance fall on the objectivity of Christ rather than our own works, and so the, the yeah, I, so the idea I think theologically how I would say this is that we're and this is just a theological truth like there's no backing down from this if we have beheld the glory of Christ, um, if our eyes have been veiled uh, unveiled at least to to see His glory, uh, and and we have seen the preciousness and beauty and awesomeness of his objective work you know even if just if we had to leave it at that uh, before we think of his objective work for us just just who mm-hmm. he is you just think mm-hmm. about what he's done and who he is and who he claims to be and you and you see that and your eyes have been open to that glory that can't happen unless you will be ultimately saved right I, i'm convinced of that truth um if you've seen that glory, uh, yeah. you know, that's it. You're, you're in heaven, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I think that that's 100% right. There's yeah. no way. Yeah, that, and that will calm you right down as well, asking asking that question. Right, so now... Like if you're in that space. Totally. So what, you know, what we're doing here is... When, so it, gets, it takes it from an abstract kind of thing where we go, all right, can you see Christ? Because <laughs> that's actually what you want to ask, right? Uh, can you yeah. see Christ in his glory and beauty? And, and it, it's just like, I don't know, what do you mean? What do you mean? And it's just a difficult way to process that information. But when you ask, totally. do you love Jesus? It brings it into yeah. very lucid terms, but really you're asking the same question and you're letting all the assurance fall on who Jesus is because to, to see him in that way, it's impossible not to love him. Um, you know, and I would, yeah. but, but on that, on that point, I would say, and I've always said, uh, and I would say this to myself, if there's any way, any sense at all that you might answer to yourself in the inner recesses of your heart, um, I'm not entirely sure that I can say I love Jesus. Then I think it is worth probing some more because it might be true that you you've not understood what you need to understand. You you've not um, you know considered the gospel as you need to. You've not heard it perhaps, mm-hmm. or even been exposed to it perhaps. Uh, maybe sin is in your life in such a way that it's 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 veiling you. It's it's more important to you than Jesus, and you know you prefer the darkness, not the light. So something along those lines could be the case, and I think all of that falls under the umbrella of. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure I can say that I love Jesus, but the person. Yeah, who, for sure. But there's a little. I don't know, it feels to me like I'm a pretty nebulous individual when it comes to anything introspective, but it feels to me like this is the one thing. Like I could never in a million years 
like not say I would say that I don't love Jesus. You know what I mean? Like so if that's true, then the next question is why? And it's got nothing to do with who I am that I love him, you know? It's got everything mm. to do with what he's done for me and who he is and and he created me and has redeemed me. You know, just just yeah. yeah, just what you what you're saying there just brought back a memory um which I think just confirms it. Mm. Uh, is that um I remember once sort of saying, you know like how in South Africa a lot of the time because Christianity was just so blended with the culture. Mm. Um that, you know, you ask someone, you, you tell someone you become a Christian and say, oh, that's great. You know, I, I th- I'm a Presbyterian too, kind of thing, you know, yeah. like, and they mean that they were baptized as infants in a Presbyterian church somewhere. Right. And, that, you know, that was the last of it. And so like a lot of ministry in South Africa was trying to tell people who thought they were Christians, but they aren't Christians. Yeah. Right? Or trying to get them to see that. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I came over to the UK, um, I met a couple of South Africans who were exactly in that position. It was mm-hmm. just super, super clear that they had no genuine faith. Right. Um, but they were convinced that they were Christians. Mm-hmm. And were really, really offended at my suggestion yeah. that they could become Christians, you know, that they could. And anyway, um, I remember going to a friend of mine and asking him, well, you know, what, what, can I, what can I say, what can I do to help them to see the difference between real and false Christianity, real and false faith. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, ask them if they love Jesus. Mm. And, and I remember thinking at the time, that's brilliant because there's no way a non-Christian bloke in particular, but even a non-Christian girl is going to even be able to articulate the words. I love Jesus without a lot of cringing. Yeah. Totally. And so if, if we're able to ask that of ourselves and answer without cringing or without, you know, um, like you say, the, the doubts and the thinking, like I'm saying it, but I don't, um, if we can do that, then I think it's a good, Test. Yeah, yeah and you know the nice thing you have the again you have the advantage of full access to your own heart. That's the difference here because because yeah. you you're able to you know obviously if you're saying yeah I love him because I know I have to because I'm a Christian and Christians say that and I got baptized and so now I have to say that okay well you know look you can catch yourself on that and and that's obviously not the answer we're looking for. Um, what you're asking is your eyes are closed. You're thinking about this thing not of of whether you're saved, not of whether you've repented, but Jesus has come into the world and has claimed uh, that he is God and he is uh, the re- biblical record shows you what he's done. Uh, now, now that's the information you need. Now, do you do you love Jesus? And I think if anyone at that at that very honest level, you know, if there's any hesitancy, I think it is worth checking it out. But yeah, it, you know what I mean. Like, it, I think I think one of the very clear points of assurance then is that that rests on the sufficiency and objectivity of Christ's work. Is the answer yes? I do because I see Him. That's it. And um, and you know what's great? You mentioned like you don't have any. Assurance then that you will um, love your wife in ten years, even or your uh, football or whatever it is. Here's the here's the difference. You do have you ha- you have a biblical promise that you will love Jesus in ten years. That's the whole thing with the the promise of assurance, um, the promise of of the perseverance of the saints. Um, you know, a- as someone who's wrestled with Calvinism and and uh, Calvinistic theology, if you've crossed that bridge and you believe that's what the Bible says. You do, in fact, have a promise that the author of your faith will continue it all the way to its completion, which is huge. You know, it, it, all thing, all other things might fall 
you know, off the, your, your, the wheels might fall off, as it were. Uh, you might go through all sorts of changes in life, but this is the one thing that God has promised to hold you in. And uh, yeah. you will never not see Christ and love him. You know what I mean? As a, well, another, yeah. yeah, and that's why I think it's really important to remember that, like you say, assurance is a promise. And therefore, the way that I interact with assurance is by trusting the promise. Yeah. You know, um, I trust that in 10 years' time, that promise will still be true for me. Yeah, you know, totally. uh, it, it, ultimately, <laughs> like a lot of the things about Christianity that are future oriented, you know, this future invisible hope that we have, you know, we, it's all, we access all of that, you know, our experience of that now is entirely through, through faith, you know, and that, that faith comes from God. So if I'm able to trust in that promise and, and believe that I will be um, kept, that no one will ever snatch me out of his hands, then um, then I can I can draw joy and comfort from that. Yeah, um, totally, absolutely, and and um, the uh, uh, where where is the oh, two things I, I thought about here? Um, where is the the text where Jesus says um, um, Jesus said to her, "I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die." Now. One thing that really helped me, and just just as a bit of a different angle, is but it's 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 in many ways the same thing. Um, that promise means that 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 statement that statement means nothing at all if it doesn't apply to the one who says he loves Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it it's like the whole thing is whoever believes in me, whoever is in existence, who believes in me will live. Though they die, they will live. Um, if, if that doesn't apply to the person who says he loves Jesus, it, it applies to no one at all. And it's just, it's yeah. a powerful reality to just grasp there. Because, um, yeah, it's, you know, just following on from what you were saying, the reality is, you know, it, it is a promise. It is something you have to trust. But I suppose the question beneath the question is, how am I, how am I, assured that I'm not being presumptuous in trusting that that promise applies to me. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. the root mm-hmm. issue that we're trying to get at. And that's, yeah. And too often people yeah. go to their sinfulness or their obedience yeah. to answer that question. Right. Exactly. Whereas the, the objectivity of that, or at least the assurance of that answer needs to rest in the objectivity of Christ. But how do you connect yourself to that objectivity? Well, you just ask yourself if you behold it. And if you behold it, you will love it, is what we're saying. One, one thing that um, that came to mind earlier when you were talking is, I just remember um, Spurgeon, I wish I knew where this was exactly, but you know, he, he experienced these major bouts of depression and um, you yeah. know, he, he would yeah, go yeah. through this whole thing. Um, and just how the power of the objectivity of Christ and his work, how, how that lifted him out of this one session he was in. I think he was lying on his bed and he was just pretty much not even doubting his own salvation and um, just wondering what the whole point was, wishing he wasn't even alive kind of thing. It was really bad. And um, and then the thought occurred to him, and I'm paraphrasing severely over here, <clears throat> um, but the thought occurred to him that even if he did die, um, that that would be that wouldn't affect Jesus. <laughs> that wouldn't affect uh, what Jesus did, who he is, and uh, the salvation he has wrought for mankind, right? Uh, yes. e- even if he was to be wiped from the planet and spend eternity in hell, 
that wouldn't affect that glorious good news that he loved so much and the Jesus that he loved so much. And then through that process of reasoning, he realized that he must be saved (laughs) 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 because he loved the Jesus that he didn't care about him, you know, even if that's all he cared about. The gospel is more important. Than his own, yeah. Like even if I went to hell, Jesus would still be Jesus and that's what I care about. And he realized, wait a minute, if that's true, uh, that, that I must be saved. There's no other way to process that. And it lifted him right out of the depression, that thought. And I thought that was so awesome. And that's really exactly what we're talking about. You know, it's just entirely about Jesus and mm. not about you. But it's just finding that almost mental hack, I suppose, to, to glue yourself to that truth, you know, um, because you could ask the same question in a few different ways, but it tends to feel fuzzy for me anyway, um, if you ask it outside of this issue of love, you know. So, yeah. I think it's a very helpful tool. Yeah. Do you know what else is a helpful tool? What? The 1689. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say a cigar as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you know, you say that, but I had a great time, you know, last night. I, you know, I had a truly meaningful experience sitting outside, um, smoking a cigar. I don't get to smoke them inside. Not all of us have our own little wait, wait, wait. Is this going to be um, an awesome story for Smoking Saturday? Yeah, I think you need to keep it for Smoking Saturday. It, it might be. Okay. Yeah, all right, okay. All right. I'll put it back. Okay. 1689. 1689. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's worth reading. It's worth reading the whole thing, but I just think I'll read the first paragraph because it kind of sums up the whole business. Ah, really. Good. Great. Um, Uh, Although temporary believers and other unregenerate men may vainly deceive themselves with false hopes Mm -hmm. and carnal presumptions of being in the favor of God and in a state of salvation, which hope of theirs shall perish, yet such as truly believe in the Lord Jesus and love him in sincerity, endeavoring to walk in all good conscience before him, may in this life be certainly assured that they are in a state of grace and may rejoice in the hope of the glory of God which hope shall never make them ashamed. Boom. 1689, folks. Good, isn't it? That is a great way to wrap up on this. Thank you. Excellent. Hey, thanks for joining us. Nice. Yeah. I trust that you would uh, take that info and um, and that you'd work with it and that it yields a wonderful assurance. <laughs> I, thought you were, I thought you were thanking me there. Well, <laughs> so I was like, it's no problem. But not, you weren't thanking me. You were I, thanking everybody else. I, I'm talking to you, Andre. I think you need to work <laughs> okay. this through. Thanks, man. Yeah, I just hope that you have a wonderful assurance as a result of our conversation. Bless you guys. (laughs) Join us uh, tomorrow. Oh, my. 32. (laughs) Bless you.